we have to understand something. How can you talk about freedom and justice for all when you were brought under the banner of servitude? How can you talk about freedom and justice for all when you were brought in shackles and chains with yokes about your neck? The Bible says that the children of Israel would be scattered into all nations under the banner of slavery. This was a global slave trade. Luke chapter 21 verse 21 through 24 says you're going to fall by the edge of the sword and you're going to be led away captive into all nations. So the question for the critical thinker is this. Who did that happen to? Did that happen to the Chinese? No. Did that happen to the Arab? No. Did that happen to the European? No. Did that happen to the people that call themselves Jewish? No. What race of mankind on the earth was taken into captivity into all nations? You think this global slave trade would be not documented in the greatest history book known to mankind? You're looking at the Bible and you don't realize that it's talking about you. Yes, you. The people that are impacted by slavery and colonialism. The people that were taken to America, taken to the Caribbean islands, taken to France, Portugal, taken to Spain as slaves. The Bible says that the the gospel... The gospel of the Jesus Christ that we know of is a black man that came to set liberty to the captives. That's Isaiah 61 verse 1. Who needs saving? Who needs liberty? Does the French need liberty? Does America need liberty? Who is oppressed? Who is getting brutalized in the streets? Who is getting gunned down when you know categorically and statistically they committed no crime? You're being persecuted over a traffic violation. You're being murdered and slaughtered. Ask Sandra Bland, was she free? Ask Trayvon Martin, was he free? Ask George Floyd. A lot of people talk about that. They're woke. You're fake woke. The scripture says, awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to righteousness. Awake to who you are. Who were you prior to slavery? Who were you prior to colonization? These answers and more can be seen as we listen to the Forefront Radio, where you will find out the truth in regards to your true nationality. Yes, when you read about the Bible, when it says, my skin is black, it's talking about you. When you read Song of Solomon, when it says, look not upon me because I am black, it's talking about you. When it comes to the greatest man that walked on the face of the earth, Jesus the Christ died a black man's death, died through crucifixion, lynched on a tree, Hair like wool, feet like brass burned in a furnace. Who could this be talking about? This is talking about you, your people, the lost tribes of Israel. You were listening to the Forefront Radio. Thanks for listening in. We're going to tune to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 and verse 8. It says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, 
because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So according to the scriptures, we are going to reveal to you who the wicked is according to the Bible, their system of governance and how they operate in this world. The next scripture we're going to look at is Job chapter nine, verse 24. It says the earth is given into the hand of the wicked, the wicked. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. So who's that? whoever is controlling the earth right now, that's who the wicked is according to the Bible. He covereth the faces of the judges thereof. If not, where and who is he? So if it's not those that are in power today, who is he? Who's controlling the Vatican? Who's controlling the United States of America? Who's controlling Europe? Who's controlling the United Nations? According to the Bible, that is the wicked. Now let's check out this history real quick. In this next episode of Legacy of the Wicked, we're going to examine the book once again called War is a Racket, which is uh, chapter two we're going to listen to that goes into who makes the prophets of war. So let's listen close. The World War, rather our brief participation in it, has cost the United States some $52 billion. Figure it out. That means $400 to every American man, woman, and child. And we haven't paid the debt yet. We are paying it. Our children will pay it. And our children's children probably still will be paying the cost of that war. The normal profits of a business concern in the United States are 6, 8, 10, and sometimes 12%. But wartime profits, ah, that is another matter. 20, 60, 100, 300, even 1,800%. The sky is the limit. All that traffic will bear. Uncle Sam has the money. Let's get it. Of course, it isn't put that crudely in wartime. It is dressed into speeches about patriotism, love of country, and we must all put our shoulders to the wheel. But the prophets jump and leap and skyrocket and are safely pocketed. This is a general called Smedley D. Butler. He's breaking down and describing to us the nature of the beast. He's saying that the people, the citizens themselves, are brainwashed into patriotism. Let's look at the example of what happened during 9-11, right? During 9-11, they alleged that something happened between something going on over in the Middle East, right? Or let's say, you know, with Arab nations, right? Because there is no Middle East. That's a made-up term. Look it up. The term Middle East, that started in 1902. So they said, oh, the dudes over there, they're the bad guy, right? And afterwards, they racked millions upon millions of dollars, insurance money, all of that type of stuff related to 9-11. Went to war, they said WMDs, all of this magic fairy tale sprinkled us and millions of lives lost, right? Killed over a million people, Afro-Iraqis, regular Iraqis, and all the indigenous populations in those regions. And then said, oops, my bad, sorry, there's no, there's no uh, WMDs. Sorry, nope, doesn't exist. So then uh, let's look at another example. They went over to Haiti in world, during World War I. While World War I was going on, 1915, they went into Haiti. They stole 
hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gold, equivalent to about 15 million today in 1915 time, right? Stole the gold, then turn around and tell the people, we don't know why the, the black race in Haiti, which was the first black empire to be established in the Western hemisphere, alongside the American Revolution, alongside the French Revolution, the Haitian Revolution happened, but we don't know why these black folks are poor. They always put that rhetoric. It suffers from political instability, corruption, and they're just bad blacks. They're mismanaging their stuff. They never tell you that the French, the Dutch, the Spanish, uh, uh, America, the United Nations, as well as Canada, they never say that these nations went in there and impacted these black people to the point where they're not able to sustain themselves. They never say that. So now this general is describing to you the war profiteering, the war racket that is set up through war. They propagandize their citizens, get their citizens to agree with their foolishness, and then they go over there and mess it up. So, so let's listen close. Let's just take a few examples. Take our friends the DuPonts, the powder people. Didn't one of them testify before a Senate committee recently that their powder won the war or saved the world for democracy or something? How did they do in the war? They were a patriotic corporation. Well, the average earnings of the DuPonts for the period 1910 to 1914 were $6 million a year. It wasn't much, but the DuPonts managed to get along on it. Now let's look at their average yearly profit during the war years, 1914 to 1918. $58 million a year profit, we find. Nearly 10 times that of normal times, and the profits of normal times were pretty good. An increase in profits of more than 950%. Take one of our little steel companies that patriotically shunted aside the making of rails and girders and bridges to manufacture war materials. Well, their 1910 to 1914 yearly earnings averaged $6 million. Then came the war. And like loyal citizens, Bethlehem Steel promptly turned to munitions making. Did their profits jump, or did they let Uncle Sam in for a bargain? Well, their 1914 to 1918 average was $49 million a year. Or let's take United States Steel. The normal earnings during the five-year period prior to the war were $105 million a year. Not bad. But along came the war, and up went the profits. The average yearly profit for the period 1914 to 1918 was $240 million. Not bad. There you have some of the steel and powder earnings. Let's look at something else, a little copper, perhaps. That always does well in war times. Anaconda, for instance. Average yearly earnings during the pre-war years 1910 to 1914 of $10 million. During the war years 1914-1918, Profits leaped to $34 million per year. Or Utah copper, average of $5 million per year during the 1910-1914 period, jumped to an average of $21 million yearly profits for the war period. Let's group these five with three smaller companies. The total yearly average profits of the pre-war period, 1910-1914, were $137,480,000. Then along came the war. The average yearly profits for this group skyrocketed to $408,300,000. Listen, folks, you're not understanding what this guy is saying. $400 million 
$400 million, not in 2022 money, in the early, early 1900s, folks. That's equivalent to billions of dollars now. Billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. Hey, Google, what is $100 million in 1915 money to today? According to Inflation Calculator, $100 million in 1915 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $2,932,386,138.61 today, an increase of $2,832,386,138.61 over 107 years. Hey Google, what is $400 million in 1915 equivalent to today? Here are the top search results. So let's look it up. 400 million in 1950 to today. So 400 million is equivalent to about 4 billion in 2022. Y'all see that? Y'all see that? Okay, so we're we're looking this up. And I wanted Google to say it itself, so that way you're like, oh, he didn't make this up. Google actually said it. Yeah, I know, I know how y'all get down. Google is your God. <laughs> A little increase in profits of approximately 200%. Does war pay? It paid them. But they aren't the only ones. There are still others. Let's take leather. For the three-year period before the war, the total profits of Central Leather Company were $3,500,000. That was approximately $1,167,000 a year. Well, in 1916, Central Leather returned a profit of $15 million, a small increase of 1,100%. That's all. The General Chemical Company averaged a profit for the three years before the war of a little over $800,000 a year. Came the war and the profits jumped to $12 million, a leap of 1,400%. International Nickel Company, and you can't have a war without nickel, showed an increase in profits from a mere average of $4 million a year to $73 million yearly. Not bad, an increase of more than 1,700%. American Sugar Refining Company averaged $2 million a year for the three years before the war. In 1916, a profit of $6 million was recorded. Listen to Senate document number 259. The 65th Congress, reporting on corporate earnings and government revenues. Considering the profits of 122 meatpackers, 153 cotton manufacturers, 299 garment makers, 49 steel plants, and 340 coal producers during the war. Profits under 25% were exceptional. For instance, the coal companies made between 100% and 7,856% on their capital stock during the war. The Chicago Packers doubled and tripled their earnings. And let us not forget the bankers who financed the Great War. If anyone had the cream of the profits, it was the bankers. Being partnerships rather than incorporated organizations, they do not have to report to stockholders. 
and their profits were as secret as they were immense. How the bankers made their millions and their billions I do not know, because those little secrets never become public, even before a Senate investigatory body. But here's how some of the other patriotic industrialists and speculators chiseled their way into war profits. Take the shoe people. They like war. It brings business with abnormal profits. They made huge profits on sales abroad to our allies. Perhaps, like the munition manufacturers and armament makers, they also sold to the enemy. For a dollar is a dollar, whether it comes from Germany or from France. But they did well by Uncle Sam, too. For instance, they sold Uncle Sam 35 million pairs of hobnailed service shoes. There were four million soldiers, eight pairs and more to a soldier. My regiment during the war had only one pair to a soldier. Some of these shoes probably are still in existence. They were good shoes. But when the war was over, Uncle Sam has a matter of 25 million pairs left over. Bought and paid for. Profits recorded and pocketed. There was still lots of leather left. So the leather people sold your Uncle Sam hundreds and thousands of McClellan's saddles for the cavalry. But there wasn't any American cavalry overseas. Somebody had to get rid of this leather, however. Somebody had to make a profit in it. So we had a lot of McClellan's saddles, and we probably have them yet. Also, somebody had a lot of mosquito netting. They sold your Uncle Sam 20 million mosquito nets for the use of the soldiers overseas. I suppose the boys were expected to put it over them as they tried to sleep in muddy trenches, one hand scratching cooties on their backs and the other making passes at scurrying rats. Well, not one of these mosquito nets ever got to France. Anyhow, these thoughtful manufacturers wanted to make sure that no soldier would be without his mosquito net, so 40 million additional yards of mosquito netting were sold to Uncle Sam. There were pretty good profits in mosquito netting in those days, even if there were no mosquitoes in France. I suppose if the war had lasted just a little longer, the enterprising mosquito-netting manufacturers would have sold your Uncle Sam a couple of consignments of mosquitoes to plant in France so that more mosquito-netting would be in order. Airplane and engine manufacturers felt they too should get their just profits out of this war. Why not? Everybody else was getting theirs. So a billion dollars, count them if you live long enough, was spent by Uncle Sam in building airplane engines that never left the ground. Not one plane or motor out of the billion dollars worth ordered, ever got into a battle in France. Just the same, the manufacturers made their little profit of 30, 100, or perhaps 300 percent. Undershirts for soldiers cost 14 cents to make, and Uncle Sam paid 30 cents to 40 cents each for them. A nice little profit for the undershirt manufacturer. And the stocking manufacturer, and the uniform manufacturers, and the cap manufacturers, and the steel helmet manufacturers all got theirs. Why, when the war was over, some four million sets of equipment, knapsacks and the things that go to fill them, crammed warehouses on this side. Now they're being scrapped because the regulations have changed the contents. But the manufacturers collected their wartime profits on them, and they will do it all over again the next time. There were lots of brilliant ideas for profit-making during the war. One very versatile patriot sold Uncle Sam twelve dozen 48-inch wrenches. Oh, they were very nice wrenches. The only trouble was that there was only one nut ever made that was large enough for those wrenches. That is the one that holds the turbines at Niagara Falls. Well, after Uncle Sam had bought them and the manufacturer had pocketed the profit, the wrenches were put on freight cars and shunted all around the United States in an effort to find a use for them. When the armistice was signed, it was indeed a sad blow to the wrench manufacturer. He was just about to make some nuts 
to fit the wrenches. Then he planned to sell these, too, to your Uncle Sam. Still another had the brilliant idea that colonels shouldn't ride in automobiles, nor should they even ride on horseback. One has probably seen a picture of Andy Jackson riding in a buckboard. Well, some 6,000 buckboards were sold to Uncle Sam for the use of colonels. Not one of them is used, but the buckboard manufacturer got his war profit. The shipbuilders felt that they should come in on some of it, too. They built a lot of ships that made a lot of profit, more than $3 billion worth. Some of the ships were all right, but $635 million worth of them were made of wood and wouldn't float. The seams opened up, and they sank. We paid for them, though, and somebody pocketed the profits. It has been estimated by statisticians and economists and researchers that the war cost your Uncle Sam $52 billion. Of this sum, $39 billion was expended in the actual war itself. This expenditure yielded $16 billion in profits. That is how the 21,000 billionaires and millionaires got that way. This $16 billion profit is not to be sneezed at. It is quite a tidy sum, and it went to a very few. The Senate Committee Probe of the Munitions Industry and its wartime profits, despite its sensational disclosures, hardly has scratched the surface. Even so, it has had some effect. The State Department has been studying, for some time, methods of keeping out of war. The War Department suddenly decides it has a wonderful plan to spring. The administration names a committee, with the War and Navy Departments ably represented under the chairmanship of a Wall Street speculator, to limit profits in wartime. To what extent isn't suggested? Hmm. Possibly the profits of 300 and 600 and 1600 percent of those who turned blood into gold in the World War would be limited to some smaller figure. Apparently, however, the plan does not call for any limitation of losses, that is, the losses of those who fight the war. As far as I've been able to ascertain, there is nothing in the scheme to limit a soldier to the loss of but one eye, or one arm, or to limit his wound to one, or two, or three, or to limit the loss of life. There is nothing in this scheme, apparently, that says, not more than 12% of a regiment shall be wounded in battle, or that not more than 7% in a division shall be killed. Of course, the committee cannot be bothered with such trifling matters. So a United States general is giving you the information pertaining to what transpired in World War I. We can examine this and see the subsequent wars that happened afterwards, how the United States, like he puts it, turns blood into gold. So the same thing that we have to consider when it comes to the discussion of reparations because they'll make the illusion to say we won't pay these individuals that worked for free for hundreds of years. We won't pay those individuals that went to war for us. We won't pay those individuals that fought and died. Because remember, Black folks, Latinos, Native Americans, we've been involved in all their wars. World War One, World War Two, the uh, Vietnam War, the American Revolution, countless soldiers, regiments, armies were filled with black and brown and even Caucasian people groups. And yet these corporations that work together with the government rack in millions to billions of dollars. So you think this is not documented in the greatest black history book known to mankind? Oh, it is. It's in the Bible. Watch this. God even rebukes the rich oppressors of the world. He 
He says this in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 1. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. You see, the United States of America proclaims itself to be in recessions and all of this stuff, right? While at the same time, their corporations rack in millions of dollars of profit each year. But the citizens themselves suffer. The citizens themselves suffer. Okay? Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Did the United States have laborers reaping their fields, working their plantations for years? Yes, they did. Did they keep back the wages, the wealth, the resources, the goods? Black folks still waiting for their 40 acres and a mule. Did they keep back these riches by fraud? Yes, they did. Did they promise soldiers of the war of African-American descent that they would give them grants, give them land, give them property, give them GI bills and all of that after these wars and neglect them and take, take it back by fraud and say, no, we're not going to give it to you? Yes, they did. You see, the cries of these individuals who have worked, who have reaped, who have suffered, and have not been getting gotten a dime from this system, that are still oppressed to this day, their cry is heard by the Most High. Watch this. In the Book of Wisdom of Solomon, it gives us the mindset of the oppressors. They say this, Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 2, verse... Uh, actually, let me read verse 1, and then I'll jump down to verse 10. Verse 1, it says, For the ungodly says, reasoning with themselves, but not aright, our life is short and tedious, and in the death of a man there is no remedy. Neither was there any man known to have turned from the grave. So he's, Solomon is giving us the psychology of the ungodly, the psychology of the wicked, how evil men of the earth think. So now let's jump down to verse 10. It says, let us oppress the poor righteous man. Let us not spare the widow, nor reverence the ancient gray hairs of the age. Is this the modus operandi of the wicked? You better believe it. They oppress the poor and righteous people of the earth. They oppress the widow. They oppress orphans. And they don't reference the ancient gray hairs. Let our strength be the law of justice. Have you heard that before? 
America operates and says, oh, we conduct ourselves from law and order. But in reality, but in reality, it's not. Listen close. Let our strength be the law of justice for that which is feeble is found to be worth nothing. Therefore, let us lie in wait for the righteous because he is not for our turn and he is clean contrary to our doings. He abradeth us with our offending the law an objective to our infamy, the transgressions of our education. He professeth to have the knowledge of God and he calleth himself the child of the Lord. So Christ was that man that walked the earth that rebuked the wicked, the ungodly man, the religious and political leaders of the Roman Empire, so much so that they plotted and conspired between church and state to persecute him and kill him. This is the same mindset of the United States of America and other European powers that have oppressed many political, spiritual, and social leaders throughout the time by assassination, bloodshed, war, and destruction. We must awake to the ways of the world. We must awake to the nature of the beast. We must open the minds of the people and expose the legacy of the wicked. Thank you for listening to the Forefront Radio. This is another episode of Legacy of the Wicked, and we will continue in this series Thank you for listening. Shalom and peace and blessings to you all. Tune in to the Forefront Radio, www.anchor.fm slash the Forefront. Listen every week on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, and many other platforms. Hey, my friend, you have just listened to the Forefront Radio. Please leave your comment and input about the show, what you like about the show, as well as any general feedback on ways to improve. We need your help to acquire new equipment to implement studio quality video and audio to our friends. Contribute as little as $4.99. It's only worth a cup of coffee. Then we can produce documentaries, more episodes, and great info for the diaspora. Go to Cash App and enter A-P-H-I-E-L-L-E-V-I to donate to the Forefront Radio to cover our advertising costs and reach more people. Catch our next episode on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, anchor.fm slash the forefront. Always remember, the truth shall liberate the mind. Peace to the heirs of promise and the heritage of the scattered 12 tribes.